Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for Virginia Derby Day. Been really pleased, just talking about this off air, to work with Colonial Downs all season long, an underrated and exceptional wagering product. And this is the big day. We've got an all stakes pick six. We're going to go through all six of them. Just want to point out that uh, this is the kind of bet horse players should really be supporting. A $1 minimum. We love that. And because of the the way it uh, doesn't give computer players such an advantage to cover all combinations and make things super efficient, the $1, you might think it's not a little player friendly thing. It actually is. And also the 15% takeout, which is great. So very pleased to be talking about this bet. And to do it with us, we bring in our now regular panel for these big Colonial Saturdays, starting with the man who was with me on Thursday. Boy, did he give out a bunch of winners and that really clever, one of my favorite handicapping uh, subtle angles in a while on that horse that ran second in the last yesterday from in the money podcast.com. He is Michael Domable. Michael, what's going on? Yeah, this is the, the trilogy of, uh, of uh, appearances by Jessica and I on big Saturday colonial downs. I don't think it's going to go into the ranks of, of the greatest trilogies of all time. There've been plenty of plenty of those, but we'll give it another run here. Forget star Wars. We've got us, you know, yeah, this exactly. it's just the same. <laughs> Did you hit, please tell me you hit that exacta yesterday. Oh yeah. I had that exacta. I had the pick five a couple of times. Um, it was, it would have been nice if he, if that horse would have broke and then we would have, we would have probably had the pick five for, for a couple thousand, but, um, it was, it, it, it was a good run and it, it made me feel all right that, uh, that the angle ended up paying off a little bit. The other voice you hear, you've heard her here before doing amazing things like giving out Caravel in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint last year. Always a pleasure to talk with Jessica Paquette, for whom Colonial is one of her favorite racetracks. Is that fair to say? I think that is very much fair to say, especially once the East Boston Oval closed. Colonial was kind of quick to assume one of those top spots for me. Excellent. Well, we'll start right away with race number six. 3.58 Eastern is the scheduled post time for De Haas. Michael, you and I did another show uh, covering a few of these races from a fixed odds perspective. Folks can find that in the InTheMoneyPodcast.com newsletter, InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash email. So since I kind of know what you think, we're going to start with Jessica. Who do you like in here? Well, the real question mark for me is what does Larry Ravelli do? Is No Balls running at Kentucky Downs or is he running here? Because if he runs here, I can't not use him on my ticket. Uh, but I do think that there are some interesting horses to use around him. Or if he's not there, the way I think the race blows open pretty widely. Number three, Maya Prince for Michael Trombetta. We've seen Larry Johnson have a terrific meet. He and the Trombetta Barn at Colonial. They always do, but they've really had a very strong season this year. And this one flying under the radar. 12-1 on the morning line is very enticing. This is a step up in class for him, but he won pretty handily last time out. Coming in off of a two-race win streak. It just seems like the kind of a horse that's good right now and loves this turf course. Yeah, hearing whispers that Nobles will go to Kentucky Downs rather than here. Does that open it up, Jessica, to maybe mentioning a, another contender, or does it does it shake up your view of the race completely? It, I mean, it does, and I think it really changes the race from a pace dynamic as well. One other horse that's a big long shot that I'm kind of in, enticed by, and this just shows what a sucker I am. I mean, fool me once, and here you get a chance to fool me again, and that is number five, Alagon. I saw him at Parks. He didn't really love the turf course that day. He looked like he was just kind of climbing over it, spinning his wheels just a little bit. I think he's better than that race. He had a nice winning at Stakes Company at Monmouth two starts back. 
uh, I am forever a homer. So whenever I see Ned Allard and Charles Matzis in the program, I do a deep dive in the pedigree. And this horse just kind of goes back to like some old Matzis, uh, Gil Campbell sort of homebreds. And I think he's kind of neat. And I think he's better than that race at Parks. A really interesting pedigree of the, the uncommon California Chrome Scat Daddy Cross for Allegon. I, I have no problem rooting for that one for all the reasons you said. Michael, how about you? Who do you like in the Haas? Yeah, I think uh, with, with No Balls likely going to uh, Kentucky Downs, um, I think this race really sets up well for the number seven Super Quest. Uh, with, if No Balls was in the race, they would have to, do, to duel it out on the front end, but to me, it looks like Super Quest is as clear as can be. Um, that race on the Travers Day undercard, it was right after a, a kind of a torrential downpour. Um, so the track had a little bit of given, a little bit of given it, but I mean, it was still super impressive to see uh, this cold bury that field of of allowance types. Uh, it was a big, big full field, um, and you don't see horses win turf sprints by that margin very often. Uh, two back, the horse that beat him. So Sua Summer uh, has been on a, on a tear lately, won a couple times at, at Saratoga during the meet. And I like that. Um, I find it. Uh, I like that Gallardo stays on for, for Cassie or not stays on, but it gets the mount for Cassie here, rewarding the jockey that's been um, so, so prolific for, for him uh, during the Colonial Downs meet. So Super Quest would be a lone A. I'd probably throw in the three and the five on Jessica's say-so as backups, but I'm um, looking to have most of my play run through the seven, thinking he can wire the field. You mentioned a downpour at Saratoga. Rain at Saratoga this summer. Are you sure? It was such beautiful weather up there. Let's oh, go. I'm, oh, I know it happened because I was out on the apron when it, when it opened <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> have the, 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 the soaked clothing to prove it. Let's go to race seven, Kitten's Joy. We're looking at a two-year-old action going a mile and a 16th. Michael, we'll keep it with you. Yeah, there's four runners that I'd like to highlight in this in this race. It's a pretty wide open uh, two-year-old event. Um, the first one I'll, I'll mention is the number three, Triple Espresso. Uh, it's interesting that the that Pletcher and Rapoli pick this horse to de- to debut in a in a stakes race. Um, we saw something kind of similar to this a few years ago at Colonial um, in the twenty, I believe, it was the twenty nineteen uh rosie stakes uh four-wheel drive debuted um and ended up going on to win the breeders cup juvenile turf sprint i don't know if if this horse is of that quality but it just kind of harkens back to that for me um that they would uh instead of running out of their backyard for a a healthy purse at saratoga come down here and try to steal a stakes race first time out um the next horse would be the number 11 because the night brad cox second time starter think will handle the turf uh, really a route pedigree. The dam was a half to uh, Princess of Silmar. Um, and the Uncle Mo on the top makes me think that he'll handle the grass. Uh, the number nine or the number seven, Manabi. Uh, I've been really uh, uh, impressed by Arno Delacour's juveniles this meet. Um, and especially they've all seemed to take a step forward second time out. This one was good enough to win first time out. That field's been pretty productive. The third place finisher who's back in this race came back to win. Um, so I like that. Um, I like everything I'm seeing there, but my top pick is going to be the number two Randazzo. Um, this is a second time starter for Michael Stidham and Godolphin. The it's the dam was a good dirt horse, but actually produced the winner of the 2019 Virginia Oaks. Um, and, uh, and so that like, you know, that affinity for the colonial downs turf course could, could come through, um, as well. And I liked the way that, 
in in his debut that him and the second place finisher put 11 lengths between them and the rest of the field. I don't know who they were beating that day, but that was a good sign to me. Um, so I'll put the number two on top. I use all of the two, three, seven, and 11 in the race. Lots of uh, good info there. And I do like that, um, hit the, the, the sort of breeding historical angle as well. That's a nice push over the top for that two runner. Jessica, how about you? Will it be one of Michael's four? Or are you going to go in a different direction? Well, I'm going to go with one of, with Michael's top choice, but also go a little bit further there. Uh, I also got really seduced by this horse's pedigree, but I went a little more of a deep dive. Uh, Randazzo, of course, out of Carnival Court, who's the daughter of Delta Princess. So Carnival Court is a half to Royal. Uh, yeah, they're a half or full uh, to Royal Delta, yeah. uh, Cozan, Delta Prince, just, you know, a ton oh, of nice horses there. Yeah. Um, the female family on this one is just so good. And Rendazzo to me, trying the turf for the first time, really interesting. And to all of Michael's other points, the debut effort was really good. And the way they really handily dispensed of the rest of the field, but also slugged it out with each other. I like to see that from a young horse. Yeah, so Rendazzo. Well, you see so many of these easy wins, but I do sometimes think they get something out of it when they get into a little bit of a fight like that. Well, it shows that they want it. It's one thing to just be a physically superior baby horse. Um, you know, LeBron James beating up on high schoolers. And it's another thing when you have someone who's actually kind of good with you and it shows that you understand the game too. The Brits have a wonderful term for it that I, I've, I've tried at times to, to bring into American racing. The horse that's just more talented and beats up on the other ones, but then faces adversity and, and, and it can be a different story. Flat track bully. I think it comes from cricket. I don't fully understand it. I'll have I to like ask it. Yeah, that's my friend Michael Holding. But it just, it kind of sounds like what it is. And yeah, you can tell from that effort that Randazzo's no flat track bully. Any others to uh, number check or name check in here, Jess, or shall we move it on down the line? Uh, I like the seven. Uh, very similar points that Michael made. Uh, Arna Delacour, second time starter. I also think Victor Carrasco really shines with these young horses. Um, getting to watch him warm up a young horse, it's, it's actually, I find it really interesting and very impressive. Uh, he warms them all up very differently. You often see some jockeys that have a very specific warm-up style, regardless of what they're riding. Um, you know, some will break off from the pony. Paco takes them in the corner and spins them in circles for a while. It they And that's kind of their go-to, whereas, like, Victor really seems to adjust his style for the young horse. And it, I think it gets them very focused. I'm also going to... I'm going to throw a huge long shot in here, too, because why not? Um, number 10, Blue Creek for Carrie Bryan, who can train horses that don't just jump over things. And from two starts at Colonial, I mean, this horse has shown some real ability. Gives himself a lot of work to do coming from way off the pace. But I wouldn't use, I wouldn't leave him off of like the lower half of my exotics. Yeah, I, I could see it for especially for those lower rungs. And I love that the, the point on the on the runner two back, especially the kind of horsemanship uh, appreciation for that Jessica brings to the table, something that. I, you know, it makes so much sense that that would matter and not something that me and my, you know, more, I love looking at horses, but in my, and pedigrees, but in my more numerically focused brain wouldn't even think of, love that kind of institutional insight. Let's talk race eight. We go uh, once again, two-year-old stakes. This time we're sprinting. We've got a big full field of 11. Jessica, what catches your eye in here? This is kind of an interesting one. Um, and I do like the three for Grand Motion, uh, 2P. Coming in, I mean, last at Laurel, really interesting horse trying the turf for the first time. I, I think the turf switch will be no problem. And if Graham thinks this horse wants to go on the turf, I think that's good enough for me for this two-year-old filly. I think this race maybe came up a little bit lighter or a little bit different, I mean, different than the Colt version here. And 
I think every, I think it's going to be uh, number five, No Name Mets that gets a little overbet here coming in. People will see the Royal Ascot race, even though it wasn't that great. But I think that one will get quite a bit of attention. Yeah, I definitely think off that uh, Monmouth run, No Name yeah. Mets is going to take a lot of beating potentially in this spot. But I like Tupi as a potential upsetter that Wertheimer pedigree. Yeah, you would think grass would be no problem, especially with ground motion calling the shots. So you're just going to try to swerve the five and get through with the three here, Jess? Yeah, I think so. Maybe on the on the underside of my ticket, I'll put in the 11 air recruit uh, again with that Arnaud Delacour second time starter angle. Really game effort, too. And again, I like when horses show that they want it. We also saw Sagale come back and really light up the toe port. I believe it was at Saratoga, and that was a Parks horse as well. So I'm really not sure what air recruit beat that day, but kind of an interesting group. Both the runner up and the third place finisher came back to win. So it looks like it's kind of a key race. Yeah, Shards was the, in that. Uh, it, Shards was actually the winner of the race where Michael had the big price uh, on Thursday at, at Colonial Down. So, yeah, those two next out winners, very interesting. Michael, let's bring you in. Are you with No Name Mets or against? Let's start there. Yeah, I, I feel like I got to use him as an A in this race. Um, that last race was was really good. I mean, I know I mean, I know he's going to be bet off of it, but defeated Ship Cadet, who came back to win the Skidmore Stakes at Saratoga, uh, was able to to put him away on the front end. Um, but the one thing that, you know, makes me want to use some other horses and not cold single him is just that there there are a lot of other speeds in this race. I mean, yep. you don't have to look any further than the number 10 King Conti to see a horse that can absolutely fly on the front end. That debut was like a super cool race to watch. Blitz the blitz the field early and just kept on going. Um, the second place finisher massive is in the race prior to this, came back to win, um, came back to break, uh, break the maiden as well. Um, I don't blame them for going to uh, a stakes race second time out on the dirt just because that race came up and it, you know, healthy purse for, for Virginia restricted company. Um, but like they're taking a shot here running in this race because there was a five and a half furlong turf sprint for, for Virginia restricted company last Saturday. that they probably would have been one to five in. So uh, obviously some, um, this, this horse is well thought of for, for, by the connections. Caraconti's off to a great start at Sire. Uh, but I just think that those two are probably going to, tire each other out on the on the front end and so I, I would look to the number 11 air recruit as my top pick uh you guys were mentioning it just a really key race with those horses coming back to to flatter the form delacour won with a juvenile second time starter yesterday i think he's gonna win with the juvenile second time starter today friday and i think he's gonna win with the juvenile second time starter tomorrow on saturday um <laughs> so uh that's an angle that's paid dividends so far this meet i'm not gonna go away from it now I will throw one other one in there that we haven't mentioned yet. The number four Woodcourt, Brendan Walsh, and our and the in the money media friends of Qatar Racing. Um, this horse has actually been working on the turf with Mizan Sen, who is a, a nice older mare uh, for Brendan Walsh uh, for the same connections who ran in the the Beverly D earlier this year. Um, so I th- found that interesting uh, enough to make me want to throw throw him in as a backup. A lot of interesting ideas there with the two-year-old sprinting. We'll now go on to one of the features of the day, the Virginia Oaks going a mile and an eighth for, of course, these three-year-old fillies. A race on paper looks a bit like a match between Mission of Joy and Alpha Bella, at least looking at the, the morning lines and fixed odds prices. Michael, is that how you see it? Well, I much prefer Mission of Joy to Alpha Bella. I'm going to let Alpha Bella beat me in this spot. I think the, the turn back um in distance a little bit is going to work to the advantage of mission of joy and i think alpha bella might get um some some public money off of the 22 and three quarter length match race victory that is that's relatively undeserved for a spot like this 
Um, but ultimately, I'm I'm hoping that Chad Brown wins the wins the Virginia Oaks with either root cause or idea generation. Uh, the latter um, came back off a layoff and ran into Chili Flag, who's a pretty good horse for the same barn. Went on to run second in a, in a tough allowance race at Saratoga. Um, so I think that one is live, gets Flavian. But um, I'll make my top pick root cause uh, just because I think that Chad Brown had had some nice words to say about about the horse in a in a horse player happy hour interview that 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 uh when when that when jk called him yeah he may or may not have been aware that that was going out to the world exactly um and and so he was high on that horse prior to the last race so i mean you're gonna get a big price today um especially with you know fergal lynch taking the mount on this one only gonna help the price uh versus flavian choosing uh to ride idea generation so it'll be one four seven for me on the a line um, I'll let anybody else beat me. One, four, and seven for uh, for Michael there in the Oaks. Jessica, let's bring you in for your idea of the winner of this one. This for me is just a single and move on. I'm going to go all in on Mission of Joy. I feel like my ticket's kind of a little full elsewhere. So this is a place where I could just find a single. I always, you know, we're not going to see very many more of these, but uh, Samsung listed as the breeder is always a treat and this horse has done absolutely nothing wrong that belmont oaks was not a bad race at all i mean right in the mix and her effort back in the regret stakes at churchill she runs like that she wins this and the turn back in distance should certainly help her we talk we've been talking a lot lately with all these kittens joy english channel crosses winning at uh winning at kentucky downs nothing wrong with the kittens joy smart strike cross especially from an old samson family definitely a lot to uh recommend mission of joy in this spot the real common link there also seems to be uh maybe looking to fade alpha bella a little bit perhaps dressed up off that match race victory at saratoga race number 10 is the race that gives the day its name the grade three virginia derby for the three-year-olds also going a mile and an eighth we've got 11 here jessica who's your idea of the winner so I think this is kind of an interesting one. I'm going to take a big swing with integration for Shug. Uh, Kendra Carmouche will be aboard just fresh off of a maiden win. I know. I know. Big, bold move here. However, this horse just has a, I mean, has a neat pedigree. costs $700,000. Why not take a bit of a swing? And, and Shug doesn't usually run them, I feel like, in a place that is so over their head that it doesn't make sense. So if he thinks that this colt is good enough, why not? Uh, that said... I'm not going to leave Laurel Valley off a ticket either. And I know that's a wacky long shot, but Mike Maker and Caramanos have really hit very well at Colonial. Um, they hit, I mean, if you look at the numbers, it's like 40%. And not from only two or three starters either. So Laurel Valley, bottom half of my ticket, that's the kind of horse that I think could like stealthily upset me. Uh, and Gigante, who, to be fair, I liked him last time at a huge price. Um, I like him again. It's an excellent point about McGahee and spotting horses. One thing that's interesting is, you know, my default with him is it's always his call if, you know, he thinks they belong. It is interesting to see this one being West Point owned. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't mean that he calls the shots, but it's something that I'm going to pay attention to. And if we, if I were to see a couple of spots where West Point owned Shug trained horses were ambitiously placed and didn't do so well, I might get off my default position, which is that if Shug enters them, they belong. Just a note to think about with this horse, um, who I think abs- absolutely every potential to run well. Beautifully bred, as Jess points out, did a not easy thing, winning so easily going long first time out. Why not? I, I don't think this is a 
a case of there being too many world beaters in here, though there may be one. Uh, and that's the, the horse on the outside that I wanted to ask you about to start things off, Michael. Program trading is the the seven to two on the morning line. What do you think of that price? Seven to two on the morning line is not what he'll, he's going to go off at. That's for, for sure. Um, he's probably going to be closer to even money um, and deservedly so coming off of uh, a win in the grade one Saratoga Derby where he pressed a hot pace and was able to, to fend off Web Slinger, who's a great, who's a really good horse, Far Bridge, another one of the top three-year-old turf horses in the country. Um, you know, I couldn't go, go, go all the way to saying I would cold single him either just because I think this pace could really heat up. Um, the numbers, the number 10 Ari gold is, is, uh, is a, is a very fast horse early. And the number four salute the stars, I, I think is going to be forward as well. Um, that horse, you know, even in his training up to this race, um, pretty headstrong. That's got him into trouble a couple times on dirt. I think he can handle the turf. I think it's just a matter of whether, um, they can settle him enough to, to have finish at the end. Um, you know, Back-to-back races, I'm going with the other Chad, and so I only need to be right one of the two for it to pay off, really, because they're both going to be pretty square prices. The number seven activist investing is who I landed on here, Uh, second off of a a long break, ran really well um, at Saratoga in an allowance race, dominated that field. Um, You know, I think if the pace heats up, that's the one I want with the with the closing kick to to try to close him down. I toyed with the number nine integration as well, and ultimately ended up putting him third. Just reminds me too much of Northern Invader, who came in off of a maiden win for West Point Thoroughbreds at Colonial Downs and got bet off the board um, in the Secretariat. And I he think I think he might have run last, so or at least second to last. And I probably race. got sucked in by that one too. To be fair, yeah, I was sucked in by him as well off of that impressive maiden win at, at Belmont. And you know, integration like from that bare form on, on the million day undercard looked like a looked like a potential superstar. But this is a this is a big step up in class right right off the bat. You know, I mean to run against program trading one of the leaders of the division off of a maiden win. The second place finisher in that race came back to run pretty well at Kentucky Downs, but. It, you do have to question the overall field that he was beating, and this is this is a significant step up in class. He's talented. I think he might be he might turn out to be one of the better ones down the line, but this is this is gonna be tough. The price will be there if you believe seven, eleven, and nine. Is that your numbers in the in the big one? Yeah, seven, eleven would be the A's, and then I would use the nine as a backup. All right, good stuff. Let's get to our final race for this show. Then I cap more stakes action in the Colonial Cup, going a mile and a half. Uh, which I love, love, uh, love stakes races for, uh, for for horses going long, whether it's dirt or turf, something we need more of in this country. Jessica, who is your idea of the winner? I mean, this is a really interesting, interesting race. Side dog for Grand Motion seems kind of obvious. Curious if he winds up staying here as he's cross entered for Monmouth. Um, So that that's one that I'd leave on my ticket kind of as long as he's in there. But otherwise, I think there are some prices to be had now. I'm a little suspect of this morning line. I don't know that we get 30 to one on Tis a Giant, but I'm going back to the Michael Trombetta barn, kind of started the, the sequence with the barn that I think is very live. And we'll try to end it there as well. Good win last time out. This is another one that is cross-entered at Monmouth. We'll see where he winds up as well. But it looks like he had a really big return to form last time out. It was his third start of the form cycle, which is one of my absolute favorite angles. I think sometimes horses need not just one or two races off the bench. That third start is where I think they'll really tell you if they're coming back or not. 
And yeah. he did. He came back really handily. Good effort against a solid field, too. Um, so I'm curious if he winds up here. Repeat of that effort, I think, could definitely put him uh, put him in the mix at a very big price. We'll see where the 10 and the 2 end up running, but definitely a couple of good ideas. When I look at this race, my biggest question is, uh, where's the pace going to be coming from? Doesn't look like a lot of... Uh, confirmed front runners maybe that could lead to to an interesting result that could favor a horse like tis a giant too michael how do you see this one you know it's interesting uh as jessica was saying i don't know if we're going to get 30 to 1 on the morning line i thought she was going to end up picking the same horse that i thought that i thought that about which is the number seven dyna drive uh, oh so, yeah i mean i thought about that one too to be to be fair yeah i don't think we'll get 30 to 1 on him either um but that's my top pick you know maker's got three horses in here um, and a lot of the play is going to be centered around Temple, the number six, because got Jose Ortiz, a little bit better form. Um, and when I think about long distance turf races, I, you know, I always want to give more than even a, a second look to, to the Mike Maker trainees. But, you know, I'm going to try to lean more on the, the ones that are higher prices. I, I mean, that's kind of the theme of the day for me is trying is kind of trying to, to hone in on the on the other runners of trainers. Um, in this case, it'll be Mike Maker. With the numbers, with the number three starting over in the seven Dyna Drive, um, you know, Pete, you hit on it a little bit. I mean, maybe they'll use some some enterprising tactics with the number three starting over. If he can get to the front um, and and on the stretch out for Maker, that's not an impossible uh, result seeing him win. And then the number seven Dyna Drive. It's interesting to me that Maker claims this horse for sixty two five. It's a six year old gelding. He he obviously knows this horse pretty well because trained him in the past um, for different connections, albeit. But, I mean, this horse has some, has some back class um, and gets back out to the long-distance turf races. Anytime Mike, Mike Maker is stretching a horse from two turns to three turns or even from one turn to two turns, I want to give them a second look. And the number three and the seven are, are both going to be uh, huge prices, hopefully. Um, the number 10 side dog, if he runs here, is probably the most likely winner, so I would use him on, on tickets. But really trying to get alive to, to some healthy will pays with the other maker runners. Can one I make point. one other oh, point? Um, Please. This is just, this is not really that interesting except to me, but it's kind of a, just a fun <laughs> fact. Uh, there's an interesting grand motion sort of late double we could have here with data man in the Virginia Derby. Who's out of a mare named Soldata. And then the horse's half sibling is in this race as well. That's Seraphos. And Keep you just rarely see. Affair. Yeah. You really, you rarely <laughs> see unless it's like a weird state bred program. I mean, I see a lot of full siblings running regularly at parks, but um, but on the same card in the same race sometimes, but uh, you know, on these bigger days, you very rarely see siblings running on the, you know, on the same card, which is neat. Oh, no, that's terrific. I love it. It's a great, a great point to follow. And one other point I just want to make about these horses who are such big prices on the line, very interesting idea to try to get alive to them in, uh, horizontal pools, bigger than the double. In other words, get to them where they're blind, where nobody's seeing that money and it's screaming for people to throw them in. Because I think they're, you know, on a day like this, there's going to be some casual money and there's going to be a lot of people who are putting picks in and, and using morning lines, frankly, in some of these later races and not necessarily noticing that these are, you know, Mike Maker trainees, for example. And I don't think there's any chance that these horses can be this this big price is just given, just given the trainer and just given the basics of handicapping. I think it's an opportunity. Now look, other people are going to sniff this out too, but whether it's the pick six or even the pick three, 
interesting idea to try to get alive to some of these. So you're not too disappointed if they go off at six or eight to one, which honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, if a couple of these longer prices we've talked about end up getting bet down to that degree. Guys, we're out of time. This was so much fun. Love talking to both of you. We'll have to reconvene this panel sometime before next year's Colonial Downs, just because it's, it's good, uh, good back and forth and lots of great ideas. Michael and Jessica, want to thank you both very much. Thank you. Good luck, everyone. Enjoy Virginia Derby Day. Thank you. And uh, good luck to you, Jessica, if I don't talk to you before the, the big Pennsylvania Derby call. Thank you. Looking forward to that very much as well. For Michael, for Jessica, this has been a production of In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos.